Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. And we're going to be in John chapter 16 this morning, continuing our study through the gospel of John. Jeremy and I were talking about this before we got started. And John 14, John 15, very comfortable with. We, we've been in those chapters a lot. John 17, very comfortable with. Been in that chapter a lot. John 16 was a, a little bit of a, 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 a challenge for us. Is it's not necessarily one that we spend quite as much time in. I'm not exactly sure why. It's a really interesting chapter and one that going forward I'm going to try and spend more time in. But uh, we encourage you to grab your Bibles and open up to John chapter 16, and we'll spend the next few minutes studying through that chapter together. So, Jeremy, why don't you kick us off? John 16 really begins mid-thought almost with, with Jesus continuing to talk to his disciples. And he begins there by saying, These things I have spoken to you. And then goes on to say, so that you will not stumble. And, and so maybe just for clarity's sake, if you don't mind, what is he talking about here? Where are we in, in, in the conversation? Yeah, I think you're right. We've made mention, you know, over the last couple of weeks, you know, really uh, we're in the very last days of Jesus on earth. We've made mention multiple times that John does a, a really good job of keeping the chronology uh, from the beginning to the end. Although he spends an inordinate amount of time on the very last week, really, of Jesus. Jesus' life, it still chronologically holds. And what we're having here in the last several chapters, so now over the last several weeks, we've really, I think, in a lot of ways been in one conversation Mm -hmm. that Jesus is having with his closest of disciples, the apostles. And there's been a lot of things talked about. We've made mention of all of those in our past studies but mainly a lot of it is centered around the fact that Jesus is going away. He's not yeah. going to be around. He's, gonna, he's going to be crucified. He's going to make mention of that again here in this chapter. And he's made mention of it several times already. And because of that, understandably so, the disciples there are, are bothered by that. He's been there. You know, they've been close to him and they've been his follower and they understand who he is. And I think they understand their need for him to be around and the confidence that he, he, he gives them when he's there and, you know, all, the comfort level. I mean, all of those things just by having him physically there. Well, he's let them know now multiple times that's a really close to coming to an end. And so they're bothered by that and they want to know where he's going. There's lots of conversations that ensue in chapters like 13, certainly chapters 14 and 15. And you rightly said at the very end of chapter 15, he he talks about the fact that, yeah, he's going to be gone, but he's not leaving them alone. Mm -hmm. They're they're fearful of that, that, hey, you're leaving, we're going to be left alone. But he he makes the point at the end of chapter 15, you're not going to be alone. The helper will come, the Holy Spirit, he's going to talk again about the Holy Spirit in this chapter and everything that comes along with that. So they're not going to be alone. But yeah, the very beginning of chapter 16 is bleeding from the end of chapter 15 when they're having that feeling of, hey, we're going to be all by ourselves now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that, that's not the case. Yeah. That's simply not the case. And uh, you're going to need some help. And we are, God is still going to be here to help you. You know, I was, when I was reading this chapter and really over the past few weeks as we've been in, you know, 14, 15, 16, one of the things that has kind of come to my mind is, you know, we, we give a lot of attention to the last words that mm-hmm. someone has to mm-hmm. say. Um, 
if they are gathered around their family and they know that their time is near and they have some important things that they want to say to their family before they pass on, we give a lot of attention to that, and, and rightfully so. And we oftentimes we study Second Timothy, for instance, as the last letter that Paul writes to his dear friend Timothy, and <clears throat> there's a lot of emotion in that, and it's very important, some really poignant things that he has to say. I think in a lot of ways, that's what John 14 through 17 is, mm-hmm. it are some of the last words that Jesus is going to say with all of his closest friends gathered around him. Right. Now, he's obviously going to speak in other times going forward, but this is kind of the last time with all of his friends gathered around him that he's going to have an opportunity to talk to them in this manner. And what he has to say is, I think, very much directed at preparing them for the time in which he's not going to be there any longer. And that's a scary thing for them. And rightfully so. He even acknowledges the fact. I mean, you read the first few verses of chapter 16. There's going to be some rough times coming for these guys. And he doesn't want to hide that from them. He wants them to be aware of that and prepare themselves for that. But then, as you pointed out, he's going to go on to talk to them about even though difficult times are going to come after I leave you, it's for your good, it's for your benefit that I do this because of who is going to come in my place, the Holy Spirit. And obviously they don't yet understand what's going to happen on the day of Pentecost and those types of things, but Jesus does. And he's able to see, listen, you guys are going to have to deal with some tough stuff over the next few months and years, but it's for your good. Trust me on that. And I'm going to try and prepare you for that as best I can. And that, that's what I think he's really been doing over the past couple of chapters, and he's going to continue to do that through chapter 16. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, several times in chapter 16, the word joy comes up. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're stepping back, as we've done, and we're kind of, you know, trying to get the picture of this conversation that Jesus is having with his closest disciples, joy isn't something that you would think, <laughs> you know, is, is high on their list. Right. I mean, they're, they're not feeling great about yeah. everything that's going on and everything that's happening. But yet he is now, you know, at the very end of chapter 15, there in verse 27, you know, he lets them know you're going to bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. And so you're going to share this story. You're going to mm-hmm. share this story. And as you've said at the beginning of chapter 16, that's not going to go great for you. <laughs> you're going to get you're going to get kicked out of the synagogue. There's a time coming in verse two that whoever whoever kills you. They they'll think they're doing God good. I mm-hmm. mean, so I think that's an indication that there's going to be battles, even with so-called religious people, that they're going to have yep. you know issues with that. And then you know he gets down there to verse four. You know he says, "Listen, I've told you these things so that when they come, you'll be able to be ready for that." Mm-hmm. And you know it's really interesting, especially in these first four verses. Because it's something that really happens to the New Testament a lot. There's a lot of warnings in yeah. the New Testament, and that's what this is. I mean, yeah. I think this is a, a warning. Now, it's an absolute that these things are going to happen, mm-hmm. but Jesus is letting them know, and he's letting them know so that they can be prepared for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is in every way like a, you know, a sign on the road that there's a sharp turn up ahead, or you need, to, you need to slow down because something's coming up. I mean, it is, hey, you need to be prepared be prepared for what's coming ahead. So we know about all those things, and that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. But in the midst of all of that, and we'll talk about it as we get deeper into the chapter, I mean, it is a chapter that Jesus is uplifting, he's encouraging these men, and he's trying to instill the incredible joy that's going to come not right now, mm-hmm. but it's going to be there. And we'll talk about it, you know, in the middle of this chapter. It is just a most perfect illustration that Jesus is going to use to kind of prove that point. 
But it, it's just remarkable that here in the midst of all of this, it, it is really a chapter on joy. I mean, yeah. it really is. And it's kind of set in what we would think is not a very joyful time for these men, or even for Jesus himself. I mean, yeah. he, he knows what's coming as mm-hmm. well in the next couple of days. Yeah, he knows what's coming. But and even though he's tried to tell his disciples, they're still trying to sort through all of this. Sure. We, we've talked a lot about that over our study in, in John. They're continuing to try and sort all of this out in their heads. And what they're hearing from Jesus is people are going to hate you. People are going to throw you out of synagogues. People may even kill you after I leave. Yeah. So you need to be ready for that. And I can only imagine what's going through their minds at this point. And they're like, whoa, I'm not, I'm not sure I signed up for all this. You know, I mean, they, they've seen some of the persecution that Jesus has gone through. But they have been very much shielded from that yeah, because of right. him. But once he's gone, they're going to be at the forefront of that persecution. And they're having to prepare themselves for that, and Jesus is trying to help them do that. And so while that part of it is is being made known to them, the other side, as you've pointed out, is that Jesus is also trying to tell them, hey, you're not going to be alone. You may have to bear the brunt of the persecution physically, but that doesn't mean you're going to be alone. In fact, the helper that I'm going to send you, it's for your good and for your benefit, and it's really what is best for you. And to try and tell someone that when they're having a hard time to comprehend what's really going on, I think it's a big challenge. And it's asking a lot for these guys to just understand this right off the bat. And I think we see that as we go through this chapter. They're still trying to figure all of this out. And really, we're going to see as we continue on through the story, they're not going to figure it out really until the day of Pentecost comes. They're still going to have questions up until that point. But Jesus is doing everything he can to try and prepare them for this time and to reassure them that you're not going to be alone in all of this. I'm never going to leave you alone. I may not be here with you, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you're going to be left alone. And that level of comfort, I think, is really even applicable for us today. Obviously, Jesus isn't walking around here on earth today shielding us from the persecution that can come. But we haven't been left alone. Right. In fact, we're far from it. He's right here with us. He, you know, we, we read throughout the New Testament about how you know, he has prepared us to fight a spiritual battle. He's given us all of the, the tools and the weapons and the shields that we need to do that. He's not left us alone. And that's the message that he's trying to give to his disciples here as well, is don't think that I'm leaving you alone. I don't want you to think that I'm going to be right there with you just in a different way. Yeah, and it's difficult for them because it takes a lot of faith. I mean, it takes a lot of trust. Yeah. You know, maybe that's a better word to use here in this context. It, it takes a lot of trust on their part. Because, you know, he's telling them, and he tells them directly here in chapter 16, me going away and the the helper that I'm sending coming to you is what's best for you. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to ask them what's best for them, what they would all answer, you staying. (laughs) That's what's best for me, you not going anywhere. But yet he says, listen, you've got to, I mean, he's basically, you've got to trust me on this. It is far better for you that it happens this way. Now, yeah, they, they don't fully grasp and understand everything that's going to take place. But, you know, he's saying it's going to be better. It, it's going to be better than even it is now. It is the best way. And, and it is, you know, even for application for us, I mean, it, it's, it's that trust and, and understanding and faith that, number one, God is always in control. He's mm-hmm. never out of control. He's never lost control of something. He's always in control, and he always has what's best 
for us in mind, always. And, you know, the plan and purpose that we read about that he gives us in his word is always what's best for man. And sometimes, you know, listen, culture in a lot of ways says, listen, what we see in that Bible isn't what's best for us. Mm -hmm. This is what's best for us. And, you know, listen, we can try to fall prey to that and, and get, you know, convinced that maybe they're right, that God doesn't know what's best. But he always has what's best in man, in mind, always. And Jesus is showcasing that right here for his disciples. Do they fully grab hold of it? I don't think they're weeks away from mm -hmm. really getting, you know, getting mm -hmm. the point because you made an interesting point that in a lot of ways I think Jesus shielded them from the persecution because he was taking, I mean, the brunt. I mean, yeah. not just the brunt, he was taking all of it. I mean, to the point that, you know, he's going to be put on a cross. But it's not long, you know, there on the day of Pentecost where, you know, the Holy Spirit comes to them there in Acts chapter 2 and they begin speaking and people are reviling them mm -hmm. immediately. These, pe these men are absolutely out of their minds. Yeah. And then it's not long after that before they're thrown in prison. I mean, it happens immediately. And you'd have to think that they're looking back yep. and remembering this conversation right here in John chapter 16 because it's just weeks before, not yeah. years before, right. just weeks before, that yep. Jesus was saying these exact words. I, I love what Jesus says in verses 12 and 13, where he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. When I was reading that, one of the things that came to my mind almost immediately was 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when Paul's writing there, and, and he uses the phrase that he has the mind of Christ. Yeah. And I think that that's so interesting to see. Even Jesus here recognizes, listen, I couldn't possibly tell you everything that you need to know. The only way that this is going to be possible is if the Holy Spirit comes yeah. and tells you everything that you need to know. I couldn't possibly sit here in our conversation and share with you every. There's just too much. There's yeah. just too much. But because of the Holy Spirit, it's almost as if it's almost as if we've we've been able to download the mind of Christ, and, and we we have it here in front of us, right. and yeah. and the apostles had it as they were teaching, and that wasn't going to be possible unless Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came. And he was, I think he's trying to get that point across. Like as much as he has been able to help and prepare these people, he can only do so much in conversation. Right. It, it, really, the only way to truly understand the full scope of truth is for the Holy Spirit to come and to do the work that he does through the inspiration of the apostles and the giving of the word. That, that's where we're going to have the full comprehension of Christ and the message that he has for the world. So even he recognizes that. He's like, I, I would love to sit here and tell it all to you. I, that's not possible. Yeah. That's why the Helper is going to come. That's why the Holy Spirit is going to come. And then, of course, as I mentioned, as we go throughout the New Testament, we see the fulfillment of that very thing, and now we're blessed to hold it in our laps every day. Yeah, and it, it is, it's Jesus fully comprehending all of that mm -hmm. and trying to relay that to these men the very best way that he can. And, and the whole chapter just oozes with him you know, basically trying to get them to understand this is the best way. Yeah. This is the best way. It's the best way for you. And ultimately, him going to the cross was, I mean, listen, it is the plan from 
before the beginning of yep. time. It's the best for them, but it's the best for man. It yep. had to take place. And so Jesus has them in mind. He has you and I in mind during this time. He's got everybody in the world on his mind here. But yet here he is with these men knowing, full knowing, the difficulties that they're going to have around the corner. I mean, as we've made mention, right around the corner. Hard, hard stuff. And he wants them to be prepared for that. But I think he's letting them know, you're going to be prepared in the very best way. Yep. Because of, even though I'm leaving, what I'm providing, what God is providing for you and the Holy Spirit, it is the best way for you to combat all of the difficulties that you're going to have. And ultimately, as I've made mention, joy on the, under, uh, yep. on the other end of that. I mean, that. I mean, it's still something that continues to come up in the chapter. That should be really encouraging to yeah. us. Uh, today to know, uh, I've heard people who have who have said things like, "Man, if I could just see Jesus with my own two eyes, or yeah. if I could just talk to him myself, or I could just see him perform miracles, you know that that would really push me over the edge, and that would really help my faith to grow." Uh, okay, I, I understand where they're coming from when they say something like that. I get that, but even Jesus here is making the point that listen, what is to come after I leave? is going to be better for your faith yeah. than me being here. Mm-hmm. And that that is that's hard I think to comprehend because you think about seeing Jesus face to face as the ultimate and yet he recognizes that no there needs to be something else. You you need the full scope of what is to come. And that came through via the Holy Spirit and that is the Bible that we hold today. And so really we should be looking at it as we're the ones in the position of being able to grow and mature even beyond what the people in this day were because we now have the fullness of the gospel that they didn't yet have. We're actually in the position of the advantageous position of having it all revealed to us. And so while we can certainly think about what it would be like to see Jesus face to face and walk with him on earth and all those things, I think it's important for us to recognize that the position that we are in today is much more advantageous than the position that they were in at this time because they yeah. were still waiting. Oh yeah. They were still waiting for the fullness to be delivered to them. They were still waiting for the completion of the gospel. You and I don't have to wait for no, that. No, we've got it. We open it up every day. Right. And and to to think about that in the, in that in that context, that I think should be really encouraging for us to know that we're in a, such a wonderful position to be able to have the mind of Christ revealed to us in its fullness and to know him in such an intimate way that the people during Jesus' time and certainly before, they were still waiting for that opportunity, and you and I get to, to reap the benefits of that. Yeah, and what's interesting is, you know, certainly we have this story in front of us, and they're living the moment. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we even have, you know, like the book of Acts, where we're able, yeah. you know, to see that Jesus knew what he was talking about. <laughs> I mean, they're, yeah. they're confused by it, and they don't understand it, but we're able to see that, yeah, when the book of Acts begins to unfold and, you know, they begin sharing the gospel and there's difficulties that arise, but yet how the gospel just explodes on the world mm-hmm. in just a small amount of time. And even yeah. on the wave of persecution, even yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, when you get to Acts chapter 8 and the persecution is so terrible in Jerusalem and people, you know, scatter throughout all Judea and Samaria, guess what? They take the gospel with them. Yeah. And the gospel, I mean, just explodes on the wave of persecution. Yeah. And you, you, we're able to see all of these things unfold, but to really get ourselves in the position of where these men are, 
And all that Jesus has told them that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks and what he's telling them now, I mean, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But you, I do get the sense when we get towards the end of this chapter, they're, they're starting to grab hold, you mm-hmm. know, really of a few things because their questions really become a little bit different. I think it's an interesting conversation that begins, you know, there in verse 16 when Jesus says, a little while and you'll not see me, and again a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father, and no one seems to understand what he's yeah. talking about there. <laughs> and it's almost like 10 <laughs> verses of him, you know, explaining, you know, all of these things. But in essence, he's telling them the thing that he's always been telling them. I'm, I'm about to go away. I'm about yeah. to go away. But listen, you guys are going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, you know, not to give a, you know, a weak synopsis of this, but I mean, it is. I'm going, but you guys are going to be just fine. And maybe more than just fine, yeah. you're going to be in the best position to succeed. And he, he makes point, he makes the point here that, you know, I'm going to go, but this isn't the last time you're going to see me. Yeah. And I think they're, as I was reading through this, I really think there could be two meanings behind this. I think certainly he could be talking about his resurrection and being able to see them again and the joy that they're going to find in that. Certainly, I think that could be part of it. I think he's also talking about a greater, uh, a a larger scope than that and and a time in which they will spend eternity with him where there will be no more separation between them and they will be able to see him again. And that that joy that you talk about at that point will be fulfilled in its entirety. And and really, I think that that more, I think, is what he's pointing them to. I think so. Regardless of the persecution that you're going to suffer over the short period of time that you're on this earth, and it's going to be great, but regardless of that, there's going to come a time in which this joy is going to be fulfilled, and all of this is going to be left behind, and you're going to be able to be with me again, and and to give them that type of hope and that type of joy in, in a moment like this, where they're fearful of what's to come in the short term, mm-hmm. Jesus gives them that long-term hope. And that is such a, a motivating factor for these men over the next you know, several years as they go throughout their work and spreading the gospel. You know, but it's the same for us today. You know, we, we have that long-term hope. You know, no matter what comes our way on this earth, we have the hope of being with Jesus one day and to leave all of that behind. And, and that's that's such a powerful hope inside of each of us that that it allows us to deal with the challenges that come our way and to recognize, as you've already pointed out, that Jesus has always had our best interest in mind and that he is looking out for us and that he has gone to prepare a place for us. And there will be a time in which all of this joy is fulfilled in him for all of eternity. And that's what drives us each day. That's what motivates us to serve him every day. Yeah, I mean, it almost, it certainly is a big part of what this chapter is, but it's in a lot of ways a big part of what the New Testament is about, is to get, you know, Christians, to get people to not focus on the short term, but the long term. You know, it's not about the short term, it's about the long term. It's not about the short term difficulties, it's about that long term hope. I mean, you know, the Apostle Paul going through all of the issues and persecutions that he had, you know, he makes reference to that temporary light affliction that I have to deal with is, you know, is, is, is working for a far greater, you know, weight and glory. And so he makes the point that, listen, it's not about the short term, it's about the long term joy. Yeah. And, and, you know, the reason I bring that up, and I made mention earlier about just an incredible illustration that Jesus uses here in verse 20. Where he says, you know, I say to you, you know, you'll weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, 
but your sorrow will be turned into joy. And then he gives them in verse 21, a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. And it's such a, and we shouldn't be surprised by this, but it's such a perfect timed and used illustration that they certainly will understand that we continue to understand today. Certainly for those of us that are fathers, you and I both are multiple times. And, you know, it, it is the incredible anguish and pain in the moment but as soon as that child is born i mean that it washes away and that short-term difficulty now you have long-term even in this world a long-term joy that comes you know from having that child Mm -hmm. and it's just such a perfect illustration that jesus gives and it's one that they absolutely would have been able to grab hold of and it just continues i mean today thousands of years later Mm -hmm. to continue to be a perfect illustration for each and every one of us. It is. And it just goes back to what we were talking about a moment ago about how encouraging this particular conversation Mm -hmm. must have been on the heels of the difficulties that are going to come. And Jesus continues, I think, to try and really build them up as he kind of wraps up this section that we're going to be studying. You know, he, he goes on to talk about how you know, even though the world is going to present difficulties to you, he wants them to recognize, remember that he has overcome the yeah. world. And that just, again, goes to that that joy and the confidence that they can have in that relationship with Christ, knowing that he has overcome all of this for them. He He's done the heavy lifting on their behalf. Yeah. Now, now you just need to do, you know, relatively speaking, you need to go do the easy part. You know, he's yeah. done he's done the work for you. And that that's so encouraging. And it's it's difficult even for us today to think of our part as being easy. We go through some difficult times and sure. we don't, but but to always remember that that Jesus has done the bulk of the work for us. He's overcome the world, he's overcome Satan, he's overcome evil, he's won the victory. Now we just need to be on his team. I mean that's that's the gist of it at the end of the day. And he's going to bring us along and share the reward with us. And that's such an encouraging and, and motivating way of looking at things. And I think certainly, you know, as we continue on, we're going to see his, his certainly his apostles are going to struggle with this as they they do scatter in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, as Jesus kind of uh, predicts here. Uh, but there's going to be a time in which they they recognize this, and and they're going to be able to to rebound and continue doing the work that that Jesus has given them to do with that thought of one day all of this is going to be left behind. Yeah. I'm not going to have to deal with this anymore. And so I stay the course, and I continue to work, and I continue to do my part, whatever that may be, knowing that one day Jesus is going to take me home with him, and I'm going to be able to share in this reward. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's incredibly encouraging. I mean, even towards the very end of this chapter when he talks to them about, you know, prayer and how, you know, if they ask, they're going to be able to receive. I mean, we're going to be there. The Father is going to be there to listen, and you're going to have that avenue. You're going to continue to have that relationship. And then you made mention at the very end of this, you know, I do think it's really interesting how, you know, he said this a couple of times already. He's already made mention specifically of Judas mm-hmm. and what he's going to do. He's already made mention specifically of Peter. Yeah. That you're going, I mean, specifics about Peter. You're going to deny me, you know, three times before the rooster crows that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of goes at it in a little bit more general way, but he's grouping everybody in. And I think yeah. it's interesting just how matter of, matter of fact. He's not angry about it. Uh, he, he's not even overly concerned about it. 
But he, he just wants them to know, I know this is going to happen, yeah. but yet you can, re, you can come out on the other side of this. When he says there in verse 32 that, you know, you're going to be scattered each to his own and you will leave me alone. But that's okay. Yep. You know, but I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, the Father will be with me. And it's almost like I, I see this. You're, you're going to do this. You're going to scatter. Mm-hmm. You're going to run away. And you're going to feel terrible about that. But yet, listen, I'm, you didn't leave me alone. The Father yeah. was with me. All of these things I knew was going to happen. And then ultimately there he says in verse 33, listen, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. We use a New King James Version. What an incredible you know, mm-hmm. phrase that is. But be yeah. of good cheer, as you've made mention. I've overcome the world. I've done the heavy lifting for you. Yeah, that's so encouraging. It's such, a, I think, a, an appropriate way for Jesus to kind of wrap up this portion of the conversation, leaving them with this word of encouragement as he's then going to continue on and, and he's going to do his own time spent with the Father in prayer as we get into John chapter 17. And so this is, in a lot of ways, kind of the, the conclusion of this particular conversation that he's having with his disciples and such an encouraging way to conclude that. So I think we'll do the same. We'll just leave it there and we'll let, uh, we'll let Jesus have the last word on that. So we want to thank everyone for uh, taking some time out of your day to study along with us. Hopefully this has given you some things to think about as you continue uh, your study on your own. Uh, if you're in the area and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to invite you to come and be with us. Uh, we meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. for Bible class. We have Bible classes for all ages and then worship at 10 a.m. And again, at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. We also have midweek Bible study at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. We're located at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. You can find us on our website, traderspointchurch.org, or our Facebook page. Uh, So please come and join us if you have an opportunity to do so. We also live stream our services. And so if you can't uh, join us in person, uh, you can find that link on our Facebook page and our website. And you can follow along with our services that way. So thank you again for your time this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.